can't really sing. <laughs> la 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 What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Sports Blog New York podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Wishing you all a happy new year, a happy 2019, and what better way to start this great new year than to have NFL playoffs just a couple days away. We ended the year with a jam-packed football Saturday and Sunday. We had playoff implications all over the place in Week 17. We also had some college football playoffs, which was very fun. Uh, Well, actually, it wasn't that fun. Alabama and Clemson kind of just ran with it and uh, did as we all expected, or at least what most of us expected, to see another Alabama-Clemson championship. The two best teams, though, they made it. And uh, that's never a bad thing. That's never a bad thing. But we're here to talk about some NFL playoffs today, uh, which just was crazy on Sunday. We had a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers with the league's leading passer in Ben Roethlisberger, all pro players like Juju Smith-Schuster, Antonio Brown, who's brought some new drama into the world of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and also James Conner and his outbreak season. We might have a a new outbreak star win an MVP in Patrick Mahomes. I think he probably will. And we had teams like the Eagles come out of nowhere and have everything work out in their favor to make the playoffs just in the nick of time. Also, a team like the Colts, the last game of the season, the last game of 2018, Week 17, Sunday night, the Colts needed to win to get in, and they snuck in to their playoff spot uh, as well. We also have some New York football stuff to talk about. Unfortunately, that doesn't include playoffs, but it does include talking about a new coach for the New York Jets and also some possible new plans at quarterback for the New York Giants and, of course, some more Odell Beckham Jr. drama and Dave Gettleman's accent. I mean... That comes up every time this man has a press conference. The leader of the New York Giants, the New York Giants, sounds like he's straight out of Boston. I mean, he is straight out of Boston, so it makes sense, but funny nonetheless. But before we get into all that, I wanted to just talk about 2018 from this podcast perspective for a minute. So 2018 was a nice year for us here in the SBNY podcast with uh, a great cast of characters joining me throughout the way. Good friend of the show and co-host Al Cargento, the NBA outsiders John Lucas Duffy and Frank Villani. You know, big J journalists like my man Jeff Eisenban. Also radio hosts like Jake Asman. We have a NFL player who, at the time, was not a member of a New York football team. He was actually in the New Orleans Saints. But Nate Stupar was on this very podcast. And then a couple months later, ended up being a New York Giant. Might have to reach out to him again. Once the season settles down, talk to him about his experience. It was really great. If you're interested in uh, Nate Stupar and a man who played a bunch of a bunch of snaps here on special teams and defense for the Giants, go back into the Sports Blog New York podcast archives and check that out. You can hear about his uh, journey through Penn State, his come up in the NFL, his time in New Orleans, also his battle with his ACL injury. And obviously we didn't talk about his time with the Giants because we didn't know it was going to happen yet, but nonetheless... He's a New York Giant. A very cool thing for the SBNY podcast to have our first NFL player on the program. But otherwise, in 2018, it was very cool because, you know, this podcast isn't isn't uh, listened to by thousands of people and not millions that don't even get me started there. But to all the people who do listen, I truly appreciate it. To anybody who will ever hit me up on Twitter and say, yo, man, listen to the episode, that was good stuff, or like, hey, I like that take you had on on whatever, the Knicks or blah, 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 the Yankees. That means the world to me. And it can be as simple as a tweet, a rating and review on iTunes. That all means the world. And then even when my friends, real personal friends in my like my regular life, will come to me and say, hey, yo, I've been listening to the podcast, and I had no idea. That is awesome to me. It's really cool uh, that people will take time out of their day or or make this show a part of their routine on a weekly basis. That's just awesome to me. I love doing this. It's a, a ton of fun, and I find it great practice for me as somebody who wants to continue down the path of sports media and radio hosting, TV hosting. I also started working at The Fan. So to you New Yorkers out there, 
Man, maybe one day you'll call in to get on the fan. You might hit, hit me up on the other side of the glass, as they say in the biz. But the numbers of the people who listened slowly and steadily was increasing. Had some of our best episodes ever in the past two years in 2018. And I hope for it to continue to grow, continue to do new stuff, talk to more interesting people. That's what I love to do most. I Right now, you're hearing a solo episode. It's just me, P. Kennedy, here with you. But I love talking to people. I love shooting the breeze about sports, getting to hear their story, whether it be they an athlete or a journalist, a radio host, or something like that. I, I really enjoy it, and hopefully you guys find some enjoyment too out of it. Also, what happened in 2018 was this podcast was picked up, basically, by another broadcast network, and that network you may be listening to right now. It's called Team Left Jab. Go to uh, Left Jab Boxing or leftjaballnightboxing.com, Team Left Jab Radio on Blog Talk Radio, a couple other things as well. They were looking for some some New York sports content, some more general sports content, as they were basically just a UFC boxing uh, radio network. And they reached out to us, and I was happy to share my content with them. And I know a couple hundred people listen to us via that network every week, and that's just as awesome. So no matter how you listen, no matter where you're from, if you take some time to listen to this program, that's just really cool, and I hope you continue to do so on 2019. And why not? Tell your friends too, right? Tell your friends that you like this show and you like this guy, Pete Kennedy. He's not too bad, hopefully. But that's enough uh, mushy stuff to start 2019. It's time to get into some sports talk here, right? That's what we do. So let's talk about the New York Jets for just a moment. Todd Bowles is out. And the search for the new coach has commenced. You hear names like Mike McCarthy. You hear some young gun names like Cliff Kingsbury. But what I'm curious about, overall, from a general standpoint, what are the Jets looking for here? Are you dead set on bringing in an offensive-minded head coach who you pair with Sam Darnold, hopefully for years to come? You know, you hear this a lot after Sean McVay has come in to Los Angeles with the Rams and really helped Jared Goff become a, a, a real threat of an NFL quarterback, or even Matt Nagy with Mitchell Trubisky. And and you start to think, like, you know, Sam Darnold needs that too. Sam Darnold needs that young offensive mind to be creative and unleash his true potential. Okay, I hear that, and I get that. But then what happens with the defense, right? So, you know, you talk about, Sean McVay, what is the possibly the best thing that happened to him in his first two years with the Rams? It might just be Wade Phillips. It might be the fact that he's in his mid-30s, Sean McVay. He's younger than players on the team, possibly. But what did he do as one of his first moves, or what did the Rams help him do? They hired a true adult professional who happens to be a great defensive mind and has been for years, and Wade Phillips. And Wade Phillips is a key part in the Rams' success. So if you do go in the Cliff Kingsbury route or somebody like him, it becomes imperative for that defensive coordinator to be a true professional, to maybe be a little bit older to balance out the room. You know who who might be good for that role? (laughs) And it's funny to say, and it is a joke, but... Todd Bowles, right? Todd Bowles is a defensive coordinator who's had success in the past. He had ups and downs and mostly downs with the Jets as the head coach. And obviously there's basically no realm of reality that Todd Bowles stays on to the New York Jets staff and becomes a defensive coordinator. It doesn't work like that. But a man like that who's calm, cool, collected, who's been around the block, who knows defense, who's a professional, that's who you need to pair with a young coach. Now, the Mike McCarthy thing, I think, is very interesting because, you know, he might be the most qualified candidate out there. He's been around the block. He's worked with two of the best quarterbacks to ever play the position. He unleashed Aaron Rodgers early in his career. And, you know, things got a little stale. That happens. Even the best coaches in the world usually run out of uh, run out of time, run out of clock, Players need a new voice. A quarterback might get tired of the voice. Might need a little spice in his uh, in his professional life. It's natural. 
Coaches don't last forever. So what do you want for Sam Darnold? You want a guy who's been a pro's pro? A guy who's won a Super Bowl, Mike McCarthy? Or do you want a guy who's very unproven in the NFL, coming out of the college ranks? That's where it really gets interesting. And then another wrinkle here, it becomes Josh McDaniels. I haven't heard his name linked to the Jets, and I don't know if that's realistic at all. But a guy who basically accepted the job to coach the Colts and Andrew Luck, took it, and then turned it down last minute. He accepted it, and then all of a sudden he was out, changed his mind. Just not for the Jets specifically, but in general, is that now a candidate who you want to put your trust into? A guy who got cold feet on Andrew Luck? I mean, granted, we didn't know how healthy he would be, right? So that's fair in that sense. But still, for a man to commit to a franchise, sign on, get on board, and then hop off, becomes very interesting. Becomes very interesting to see what team might now take that chance. It might be the Packers. It might be the Aaron Rodgers-led Packers to take a guy who has been in a quarterback room with one of the greatest of all time in Tom Brady. That would make sense. But if you start talking about flakiness, and he gets approached in that interview for that head coaching position in Green Bay, and they say, hey, you know, Josh, uh, let's be honest here, right? You're going to lead our franchise for hopefully 10 years. What happened last year? You get tipped off about Andrew Luck's health, You get tipped off about getting that Patriots job when Bill walks out? What's going on? You're going to coach us for three years and then Bill retires and you're gone? We don't want that to happen. We've seen that happen before with Bill Belichick, right? That man, Bill Belichick, if you watch the the two Bills 30 for 30 with Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells, you know exactly how it went down with Bill. He went for that Patriots job when it was open at the right time for him. And you can't disrespect a man looking out for his best interest. But you can also inquire about it. You can look into it. You can dig deep. You can you can ask him, will you do that to us? See how he answers. Is he confident he's not going to do that? And he's got a little flaky about that response? It becomes interesting. It really does. But I think Mike McCarthy is a good, a good candidate for the Jets. You know, Sam Darnold seems like he is calm, cool, collected at all times. He, he possibly could handle a little bit of dysfunction. But I think as a young man, the less is better. And Mike McCarthy does not seem like the guy who's going to bring dysfunction to a franchise. And we know with the New York Jets, they love their dysfunction. So if you get a pro's pro, guy's been around the block, guy's played a lot of meaningful football games, coached a lot of football games, that sounds like a guy for the New York Jets to me. Don't get too fancy. Don't get a guy who's going to be over his head with the New York media. Don't get a guy who's going to be over his head with his first NFL head coaching job. Forced to now hire a staff with a GM in Mike McCagnon who may or may not have full say on what he needs to do. Owner's getting a little involved over there. So it becomes very interesting. And I think uh, McCagnon becomes another chip here if McCarthy does uh, become the head coach of the Jets, what does McCarthy say in personnel? Does he get any last words? Is it McCagden's last words? Do they have to agree? That can cause dysfunction. But Mike McCarthy's been around the block. He's dealt with the biggest star in the sport for 13 years, was it now, for Aaron Rodgers? I like your odds there with having a stable coach to lead the New York Jets in Mike McCarthy. If you can get him, he might become the hottest commodity out there. But if you can get your hands on Mike McCarthy, you got to go for it. You got to go for it. But on the New York Giants front, Dave Gettleman had his press conference uh, just yesterday talking about Eli Manning and his no-holds-barred conversation with Eli that he's not going to tell us about, but it was intense. You can tell. What does that mean? What does that mean for the future of the position? What should it mean? What do you want it to mean, right? So it really comes down to how people read this situation here because I can look at it two different ways. 
One way is he gave us the tip that when he has his opportunity to take out Eli as the Giants quarterback, that he's going to take it and he's not going to think twice about it. But there's also that little bit of hesitation when you hear his response that you think, oh, wait a minute. It sounds like Eli might be back as the starting quarterback in 2019. He might just be back. And is that what we need? It could be, right? If the quarterback doesn't end up joining the Giants in this year's draft coming up, or if this, or if the Giants don't find a quarterback in free agency, whether it be a Teddy Bridgewater or a Nick Foles, who I don't love as options, they don't seem like the 10-year plan guy. Maybe Teddy does. He's very young. Nick Foles is 29. Feels like he's been around a lot longer. Is this Nick Foles thing a flash in the pan? Can he do it for 16 games? We haven't really seen that before. He can win the big game. He can come in and be hot for stretches. But after he's made the Eagles a playoff team, we quickly forget about his uh, struggles in the first couple weeks of the season when we were just waiting for, for Carson Wentz to come back. Like, all right, this Nick Foles thing was cool. He's solid. He's an awesome backup. We know what he can do in a pinch. But uh, let's get Wentz back here. And then Wentz finds a little struggles here and there. Is he healthy? Is he not? Foles comes back in and just lights it up. Breaks records for the Eagles. Ties an NFL record for most completions in a row. Is that the answer for the Giants quarterback? I don't know. Doesn't feel like it for me. So that little bit of doubt with will Eli come back, it feels like it's very possible. I'm going to put it personally at about a 60% chance. Eli, maybe, I'm going to say 65, 70% actually. 65% that Eli Manning is the quarterback of the New York Giants to start the 2019 season. And that might be okay. Because if Dwayne Haskins becomes uh, the draft pick in the first round for the Giants, he doesn't have to start right away. Did Eli start right away? No. He had a guy like, just like him actually. (laughs) <laughs> he had a guy in Kurt Warner who was the starting quarterback of the Giants. Kurt Warner looked like he was washed. Eli gets his chance. And look at that. Kurt Warner made a Super Bowl after that. Kurt Warner had also been to a Super Bowl before that. So it's not that different than Eli Manning right now. Now, I don't think anyone thinks Eli Manning's making another Super Bowl in his career. I don't think we thought that about Kurt Warner. But nonetheless, if it is Dwayne Haskins or Will Greer or whoever it may be who gets drafted by the Giants this coming draft, they don't have to start right away. Sam Darnold ended up starting right away. It felt like the right decision. It felt like Baker Mayfield should start right away, but Tyrod Taylor, after being traded for, deserved that spot. He deserved those couple starts. He deserved that opportunity. So if there is someone in that draft who ends up being a New York Giant, it could be okay. But then you know there's a plan. When it starts getting a little sketchy is if there is no quarterback on the New York Giants other than Eli Manning or Kyle Lalletta come the start of 2019. Because that just means the plan is pushed back one more year. And that's one more year of Odell Beckham may or may not being very happy with his offense or his quarterback. That means another year of Saquon Barkley being asked to bust off 60-yard runs just for the Giants to get 14 points or 21 points. Now, granted, the Giants' offense had some moments in the second half of the year where they started to look like a real offense again. Now, is that Eli taking time to find his groove? Is that Pat Shermer working uh, to get his play calling right and to get his offense and all his new personnel going in the right direction? And that offensive line that had a lot of turnover before the year and during the year. There's a lot of factors here. And that's what also leads me to still stay on the side of Odell Beckham Jr. here in this whole equation. Because these equations are all connected. The quarterback is always going to be connected to Odell. And if Odell is truly on a trading block, I mean, you can say that's fine if it helps get assets and whatnot. You don't think that new quarterback is going to be appreciative of having Odell Beckham to throw to 10 times a game? 
You don't think Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham, when all things are going well, can make it easier for Evan Engram and Sterling Shepard to get involved? Or hell, Cody Latimer, who Eli Manning seems to hit every once in a while? So Odell's a big part of this equation. And if the quarterback was right, if the offensive line was right, if the defense was playing well all year, which they, they played all right. They played solid defense uh, at certain points of the year. They were they were not the weak weak point of this team, but they weren't they weren't some dominant defense that we've seen in Giants past. Right? So unless all other things are shaping out perfectly and Odell Beckham is still being this cancer that you all love to call him, then maybe I consider him to be such a thing. But until that quarterback's right, which it isn't, until that O-line is truly good, which it isn't, and until that defense is even close to some of the playoff defenses the Giants have had in the past 10-15 years, you will not find me putting blame on a receiver who had over 1,000 yards in just 12 games. You're not going to find me doing that. It doesn't make sense to me. Now listen, with Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster, right, putting up crazy numbers, Big Ben leading the pass, leading the league in passing, James Conner having a breakout season until he got banged up. The defense wasn't great for Pittsburgh, but maybe, maybe there you can say, okay, maybe there's too much ego going on. The quarterback is right, and him and the receiver don't seem to get along. Maybe that's a problem. I'm still not convinced, but maybe that's a problem. Maybe the rest of the team isn't appreciative of Antonio Brown uh, maybe siding with his boy Le'Veon Bell a little bit too much. Maybe that's a problem. But with Odell Beckham, if your only argument to me is him yelling on the sideline or him being, quote, a bad locker room guy or bad vibe guy, you don't have enough evidence to prove that. You're not in that locker room. You don't know how the left guard, Will Hernandez, feels about Odell, he may be totally impressed by Odell's work ethic. Because all I have ever heard from players on the Giants and coaches on the Giants and reporters who are around the team is that this dude works. This dude puts his all out on on the practice field. And yeah, you can can tell me that uh, maybe he looked a little timid from contact, a little shy from contact, but wouldn't you be? I mean, if you're looking at your record and you're now, you know, three and nine, you want to dive in there when you're, when you're the face of the franchise? <laughs> you want to dive in for extra contact when you're five foot 11 and you're not a, the biggest guy on the field? Now, the onside kick thing may be inexcusable. I'm not going to try to defend that part, even though those things are damn tough to catch when they're bouncing around, right? Need a more effort. You need to see more effort out of that. I'm not even going to deny it. But if your evidence for him being a negative effect on this team includes you telling me, oh, he's yelling on the sidelines, or he's a bad locker room guy, or he's negatively affecting the vibe of this team, like, no, that does not cut it. That's not going to convince me that we need to trade this man. It's just not. You saw what happened with a team like the Dallas Cowboys when they acquired Amari Cooper. I mean, Dak Prescott looks like a different quarterback. Dak Prescott and Jason Garrett went from being possibly excused from their roles on the Dallas Cowboys team to making the playoffs, winning the NFC East, and being home for a playoff game. I mean, literally, Jason Garrett was fired in like week five. All y'all had him fired. Dak Prescott, why would you ever pay him, huh? He gets one more piece. He gets Amari Cooper. And all of a sudden, he's back. He's in the playoffs. He's cool collected Dak Prescott again. I'm not going to buy it until everything else is right and he's the common denominator. Because the way I look at it, over these past three seasons now, last year being a wash with the injury, two years ago, are we saying that he's a problem when they're 11-5, and five, they can't score unless he breaks a 40-yard touchdown up the seam? Are we saying that two years ago? Or is it now it's just because he's getting paid now? Is that why? I mean, there is a correlation to to one position player, whether it even be a quarterback or a receiver, getting paid too much in a cap league. I get that. 
But like I said, until the quarterback's right, until the O-line's right, until that coach is actually in a groove of play calling, and until the defense performs like a, a playoff caliber defense, I ain't calling Odell Beckham the common denominator. I'm just not. And I'm not trading him either. I mean, you can come at me with a godfather offer. You got to do what you got to do. You know, a couple of first-round first pick or two and a real player, maybe a real legit O-line piece and all that package together, right? Then you can come to consideration to trade this man. But if your reason for trading him, ah, oh, he's a bad vibe. Guy's a cancer. No. You can miss me with that reasoning, all right? So we shall see what the Giants do as far as quarterback comes to the equation, come this draft, and come to uh, this free agency period. But right now, I ain't blaming Odell for it. No way. 12 games, 1,000 yards. Threw for two touchdowns. <laughs> he threw for the two nicest touchdowns in the Giants' season almost. Are you kidding me? <sighs> Anyways, I digress on New York football. Little, little, uh little morbid, a little sad, not very exciting talks for the New York football giants and Jets. But hopefully in the next uh, year or two, you know, in the next year, two years, we got some more playoff games, maybe even coming through MetLife if all things go well. But speaking of playoff football, we have NFL playoff action coming our way in just a day or two. And I'm very excited about this because – there's some real intrigue here. You have very different teams who have made it this year. You have teams led by intense, impressive defenses like the Chicago Bears and the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, the Chicago Bears got Khalil Mack and their world changed. They became one of the most dominant defenses in the league, if not the most dominant. The Dallas Cowboys can rush the quarterback, man. I mean, they can really get after it. You that DeMarcus Lawrence guy flies on the on the defensive line. Jalen Smith flies around the field. Leighton Vanderesh. Goddamn Leighton Vanderesh led the league in tackles. Well, second in the league in tackles. Also, we've seen this trend where uh, rookie running backs pretty high up there in the rushing leaders. Uh we had Zeke, obviously. We had Kareem Hunt last year lead the league in rushing. We had Saquon this year. Impressive. But uh, how often do we see rookies lead the league in tackles? I don't, I'm don't. i not sure about that. But those two rookies who led the league in tackles, we're talking about Darius Leonard and Leighton Vander Esch. Both simply just 21 years of age. Oh, and actually, no, Darius Leonard's 23. I'm sorry. But both rookies, 23, year, 23 years old and 21 years old, leading the league in tackles on impressive defenses that were not expected to be this great, but they were led by young players who were very impressive throughout the season. But you talk about the Cowboys, talk about the Bears, and you come to a team like the Seahawks, and you have Russell Wilson leading the way. Now you think about all the quarterbacks who get hyped up the most, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Andrew Luck, and Russell Wilson. Even maybe throw Phillip Rivers in there um, with Mahomes and Deshaun Watson who have the hype, but it's new hype. I'm not really talking about them right now. I'm talking about the guys who've been around, who've played playoff games, who've made runs, even Big Ben throwing that category. Of all these guys who are looked at to be you know, the best quarterbacks in the league, the guys you want leading your drive with two minutes left, can you tell me which one of them is truly in their prime right now? Because uh, I'm sure you've seen some headlines and some radio shows talk about how Tom Brady just ain't right right now, right? Looking a little slow. Made some throws you never see a man like Tom Brady make before. That one pick will just, I'll never forget it, where he is running back from the red zone, chucks up a ball to the right, uh, the short pylon, gets picked after showing pretty brutal clock management, very un-Tom Brady-like, right? Is it age? Is it a brain fart? Is it doing too much? I don't know. But as great as this man is, and he is the best quarterback I've ever seen, and he is probably the GOAT quarterback, he's not his prime, 
and he's not particularly close, right? He's not particularly close. Maybe he was very close last year. I mean, obviously he went bananas in the Super Bowl to no avail. But he's not Tom Brady, GOAT Tom Brady anymore. He's still got the GOAT in him, but the performance just didn't show this season. I don't think that's I don't think that's arguable, right? Drew Brees had a near MVP season. Didn't have quite the numbers that he always puts up. Then you talk about Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara. Obviously they could take away from his passing stats when they break off 50-yard runs. Got Phillip Rivers. Maybe had the best year in his career, but is probably also over the hill of prime. He just has a really good supporting cast, great weapons on offense, a very talented, dynamic defense, and Andrew Luck. You can actually say he's in his prime. You can say his prime may just be starting. But hasn't played in a playoff game in a couple of years, might not have a great supporting cast around him. Jared Goff, Mahomes, uh, Watson, not in the consideration of what I'm talking about at the moment. So that leaves me with Russell Wilson. Of all these quarterbacks who've been there and done that, is he not the most impressive right now? Is he not the most established in his prime right now? Now, granted, you know, they lost a lot of big names on defense. Does their defense feel like a liability? It doesn't to me. They have guys who fly around the field. Bobby Wagner is one of the best linebackers in the league. The Griffin brothers are flying around the field. And those those team of running backs, Chris Carson, Mike Davis, strong, dynamic players who can uh, catch the ball out of the backfield, who can finish runs uh, with physicality. And that leaves me with Tyler Lockett. Have you heard about this Tyler Lockett season? Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett combined for over 900 yards on just 50-something catches. 10 touchdowns, and 85% completion percentage. 85% of the times that Russell Wilson throws a Tyler Lockett catch. And yes, in fact, that made for a perfect passer rating of 158.3. Now, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, greater than the Seahawks running tandem, for sure. But you got two guys who are very capable, like I just talked about. You got a defense who can hang and possibly shut down Amari Cooper, slow down Zeke, and make Dak look like the old Dak. I like the Seahawks a lot. And I like Russell Wilson. Is there a man who you want to see when you're rooting for a team to lead a team down the field? I mean, it's like he could do it in his sleep right now. And it becomes a little scary when he's forced to do it against a team like the Arizona Cardinals, right? It's like, oh, man, what? All right, Russ, I, I get it that you just march down the field with the ease, but why are you even in this situation? It's the Cardinals. Cardinals are trash. About to be the worst team in the league. How did we get here? It happened a couple times this season where they played teams just a little too tight, and you're like, what is going on? Like, you should, If you're really good, this shouldn't happen, right? But you also see those primetime moments, that game against the Chiefs, Prime time. Patrick Mahomes on the other side, slinging the ball around. And Russell Wilson is the one who comes out with the last laugh. There's two different types of athletes in this world. Guys who turn it up to the highest level when the lights are shining bright. And unfortunately, there's guys like Kirk Cousins, who every time the light, light is shining bright, they go and hide, find the shadows. I mean, it's laughable what Kirk Cousins primetime record is. I think I saw something he's like 4-24 and 24 against teams above 500. That's brutal. All those stats for Russell Wilson, the exact opposite. An incredible record in primetime. We know what he's done in the playoffs. And if it wasn't for one horrible pa- uh, play call and horrible pass in that Super Bowl on the one-yard line, we'd be talking about two-time Super Bowl champ Russell Wilson. So of all these quarterbacks, Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, Drew Brees, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, and Andrew Luck's a weird case because he's still one year off injury, hasn't played playoff football in some time. 
I don't know if there's a quarterback I have more confidence in than Russell Wilson. They have an identity. They run the ball. They control the clock. And even with being a, quote, run-first team, 35 touchdowns, top five in the league for Russell Wilson. 35. Pretty impressive stuff. And if I'm the Cowboys, a little upset who I came out uh, facing in the first round. Now, right now, uh, I believe the Cowboys are two-and-a-half-point favorites here. And if you ask me, I'm going Seahawks with the points. Would also very much appreciate a little money line action on the Seahawks right now. But then I want to talk about another team. Because, uh, you know, I was listening to um, Bill Simmons, obviously a Patriot fan. He's talking about what team he wants to see the least when it comes to the AFC, the other side of the playoff bracket. There's a team I've failed to mention to this point. That team's the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens now get a home field advantage against a team with a better record. Doesn't happen very often, but can happen with the wild card uh, leader being so strong in the Los Angeles Chargers, but not as strong as their division counterparts, the Kansas City Chiefs. The NFL football, the dynamics of an NFL football game, I should say, really do change when comes playoff time. Really when you pass Thanksgiving, right? All those air show games in the high 30s, in the the 40s, hell, even the 54-51 game between the Rams and Chiefs, they're a little more far and few between. What you get to see in a cold-weather playoff game or a cold-weather game in December, it's not usually 48-41. to It's usually more, you know, 24-21, 24-27, And if you look at all these teams in the AFC East, who has the formula to win tight games, to shut down a dynamic offense because they just don't seem to have the ball? Talk about the Baltimore Ravens. Now, I'm sure the Los Angeles Chargers are now scheming up every which way to force Lamar Jackson to beat them with his arm. But if you can't stop that run, if you can't figure out a way to slow down uh, Gus Edwards, to slow down Dixon, slow down Lamar Jackson, all of a sudden it's going to be 10-0 end of the first quarter and you had the ball for three minutes. You're going to be like, what? What just happened? C.J. Mosley running all over the field, crushing people. Baltimore Ravens' defense is legit. I mean, you talk, you talk in statistics of uh, uh, that matter in, in tight football, dude. Number one in total defense. Number five in passing defense. Number four in rushing yards per game. That's all yards per game right there. That's the Baltimore Ravens. Melvin Gordon. Came back and played. Melvin Gordon's a dynamic player. Keenan Allen looks a little banged up. You know, Mike Williams had some really big moments. He had a game with had a couple games with no, with uh, numerous touchdowns. Even Tyrell Williams has looked pretty good. Antonio Gates is still running out there. Chargers are legit. They're talented. Possible rookie of the year on defense, Derwin James. Even though I think it's Darius Leonard or Leighton Vanderesh. Joey Bosa. Strong team, talented. But I'm telling you, if you got a game here that's a little chilly, Baltimore, crowd's going crazy, and all of a sudden, four yards, three yards, six yards, first down, first down, first down, one big scramble, crossing pass to the tight end, 40 yards. This this game scares me if I'm the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm not happy about it. If I'm the Chargers, man, I think I'd rather get the Texans or the Colts. And then when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens, if the Texans knock off the Colts, I mean, if the Colts not, I'm sorry about that. If the Colts knock off the Texans, that means they go right to the Chiefs. And the Patriots, who got their first round bye, may end up playing a team that gives them fits. And Patriots fans know this. Bill Simmons was saying it. He goes, for some freaking reason, the Baltimore Ravens are never scared. They have a formula to slow them down, play them tight every single time. 
And if you saw at the end of that Ravens game against the Browns, they were sending pressure. And we know one way to beat Tom Brady is to get him moving, get him off his spot, and to keep the ball away from him, frankly, as well. That's the way to do it. And you're talking playoff formula. You're talking how to win cold games, cold weather games, tight in playoffs in December, January, February. Run game and defense. That's the Baltimore Ravens. So right there, that's two teams that I was just talked about who have a formula. They have an identity that doesn't include an air show. That doesn't include a reliance on huge plays down the field or on speed guys on the outside. It's about pounding the ball inside and about putting the ball in the hands of a playmaker. Now, Lamar Jackson has a lot to prove, and to put your chips in a rookie quarterback's basket, I don't care who he is, is tough. But the one reason I actually like the Ravens here against the Chargers is that Lamar Jackson, as he is the quarterback, and he is the man, and he has to make plays with his arm. The main portion of their of their offense does not rely on that. They've run the ball like crazy over the past six, seven weeks with Lamar Jackson at the helm. It's not going to stop. A guy like Gus Edwards, shout out Gus Edwards from Staten Island, like myself, Tottenville High School, good for him, making his way into the league, undrafted. I'm pretty sure uh, two weeks ago I was watching their game. The announcer said he got stopped for minus, minus one yards. It was his first negative rush of his career. Guy falls forward. Guy gets yards. And if they have that consistent run game, they keep the ball away, defense is flying around, they're dangerous. And the fact that they got home field, I'd be scared. And if I'm the Patriots, if I'm the Chiefs, they might be the team I want to see the least. Because if you're the Chiefs, you know what? Home playoff game for you, you can feel pretty confident that uh, no matter how good the defense for the Chargers may play or may be, you have what it takes to outscore them just to run on them, just to go. Because even though Kareem Hunt's gone, Damian Williams looks pretty solid. Terry Hill's still a beast. Travis Kelsey's the best tight end in the league, if you ask me. Got a playmaker on defense like Eric Berry. I still feel pretty good about that. When I start getting nervous is when I see Patrick Mahomes on the sideline for seven minutes in a row. That's when I start getting nervous. I'm a Chiefs fan. Like, you know what? That's the formula come playoff time. Running the ball and defense. That's the Ravens. And even though the Seahawks defense ain't sexy like it used to be, that's the Seahawks. And you're talking about a guy like Russell Wilson, future Hall of Famer, Super Bowl winner. Been there before, been there, done that. I don't want to see him. I don't want to see the Ravens. But with all that being said, this will be the last thing I talk about here before I say goodbye. Even though I just talked about two, uh, you know, so I would say dark horse Super Bowl candidates or even dark, ho- dark horse uh, NFC, AFC championship contenders in the Seahawks and the Ravens, there has been a very strong trend in the NFL over the past five, six years. And it's that one seeds with home, court, uh, home field advantage or just people with the bye in general have found absolute great success in getting to the Super Bowl. I mean, the Patriots, when they have a bye, seems like they walk right into it almost every year, it feels like, right? I think the Falcons were a 2C when they got in. But but the home field advantage thing in the playoffs is very, very real. It's very real. So when I look at these two favorites here, in the Saints and the Kansas City Chiefs, with home field, who do you have the most confidence in? What person are you putting them odds on to make it to the Super Bowl? Is it the Saints? It's kind of the tale of two stories here. You got the old quarterback who's done it before, who's been putting up stats for years, in Drew Brees, and you have the young gun in Patrick Mahomes. But with the young gun and Patrick Mahomes, we do have to remember one thing, and I've been saying this since about week five of the NFL season. I don't know where the legitimacy level lies of this point, but I do think it's a point worth talking about. So when you talk about Andy Reid as a head coach, there's a few obvious things you have to say and have to consider. This man is an innovator on offense. 
this guy can really make wine out of water when it comes to who's playing quarterback, who his position players are. He can put up points. He can figure out a way to scheme. Something about his record off a bye is absolutely incredible. Andy Reid, with time to plan, is awesome. But with all that stuff being said, there's obviously flaws in the defense, and there's obviously flaws in Andy Reid's playoff record and ability to win the big game. Now, he made that one Super Bowl with the Eagles, of course, and he's made the playoffs seemingly every year with the Kansas City Chiefs. But what has he done in the playoffs since then with Alex Smith at the helm? Hasn't quite gotten it done there, has he? So I said this in week four or five, whenever it was. It seems to me like Patrick Mahomes does, in fact, have that extra sauce, right? So Andy Reid can get you there, but maybe he needs an extra push to get over the hump to get to that Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. Now Andy Reid has obviously done an incredible job game planning for Patrick Mahomes. And I do believe that Patrick Mahomes has that extra sauce, the extra juice to make up to make up for those shortcomings that Andy Reid has in the big game and in the playoffs. It's very possible. But unfortunately in sports, typically, it does not work like the American judicial system. You are not innocent until proven guilty. In fact, it's quite the opposite. You are guilty until proven... I mean, yeah, sorry. You are guilty until proven innocent. You're a choker until proven clutch. And right now, Andy Reid is still a proven choker in these big moments, in these big playoff games. Hell, even against the Patriots this year, and the Rams this year, and the Seahawks this year, yet it it was their only losses. An amazing season, an MVP season for Patrick Mahomes. But in some of those biggest games, in those primetime moments, they came up just a little bit short. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it was on Patrick Mahomes, but his biggest mistakes were in those games. He maybe tried to do a little too much. Maybe the plan wasn't just right for him. I'm not quite sure. But Andy Reid is guilty until proven innocent. He is a choker until proven clutch. And though we love Patrick Mahomes, and though he is a highlight machine, and though his arm is absolutely incredible like nothing I've seen before, he does not just deserve a pass to be innocent until proven guilty, to be clutch until proven a choker, because he hasn't done it yet. And in sports, that's just how it works. So for me, yes, Patrick Mahomes is way better than Alex Smith. Yes, the Chiefs offense is more dynamic than it ever has been under Andy Reid, though it's been awesome under Andy Reid. But Patrick Mahomes now has something to prove. Because if he comes out here and lays an egg, whether it be against the Chargers or the Ravens or the Colts, then what? Do we now reel back and say, oh, wait, this thing's real cute in the regular season, but he can't do it in the big game? Maybe that's not quite fair. But to be sitting here so confident in Andy Reid and an Andy Reid-led team in Patrick Mahomes, I don't think that's a good call. Because the formula is there for other teams. Teams who can run the ball on a defense that's clearly not a top-notch defense in the league. In fact, it may have been one of the worst defenses that ranked out in all the advanced metrics, simple metrics like yards per games and stuff like that. So I'm not ready to crown the Chiefs. If we're talking favorites here, which one seed is more likely to make it? I'm going NFC. I'm going Drew Brees. And I kind of think their road might be a little easier as well. Obviously, if the Saints have to run into Russell Wilson, that's pretty tough. Playing the Cowboys is never going to be easy, though, for the Cowboys to beat the Saints twice in one season. I find that very hard to believe. They won't be playing the Bears unless it's in the NFC Championship game. But the Bears, like I said before, guilty until proven innocent. Mitchell Trubisky, he may be a shortcoming on the Chicago Bears. We will see. When the lights turn bright, does Matt Nagy's offensive mind, his offensive genius, does it rain through to beat a team like the Eagles and the Nick Foles-led Super Bowl defending champs? 
So I'm not, I'm not even going to say that the Bears are a lock to beat the Eagles. They're not. They're just not. The Eagles ran the table last year with all the odds against them. Why could it not happen again when they're playing as hot as they have been all season? When Nick Foles seems to have the world pushing in his way, pushing in his direction. So we're talking favorites here. I'm on the Saints over the Chiefs and the Rams and the Patriots. Two of the most talked about teams this season, the Rams for the first uh, for the first half for sure, when they seemed unstoppable, when Sean McVay seemed like the coach of the year for sure. That's not going to happen now. What have the Rams got to show? Can they play defense? Can they go into a cold weather uh, a game? Seems like they won't have to, thankfully for them. They're a two seed. That means they have a home field advantage in the first game. And worst comes to worst, they can only go to New Orleans in a dome. That plays out great for the same, for, uh, for the Rams. Plays out great for them. So the Rams have a nice little road here. The Saints have a nice little road here. Watch out for the Seahawks. Watch out for the Eagles. But I'm telling you, my little sleeper right here, my team that I don't think anybody wants to see, whether they're proud to say it or they'll hide it from all of us, I don't think anyone wants to see the Ravens. No one wants to see a top five passing defense and rushing defense, number one team in total yards allowed per game. No one wants to see them with the way they can run the ball and keep it away. Lamar Jackson's a rookie. Tough to bet on one of them. Tough to bet on one of them. But their formula is true. And it's real. But boys and girls, whoever may be listening to the Sports Blog New York podcast, thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in. It was a good episode, I hope. Talked for about 50 minutes by myself tend to do that when I go on here solo. Uh, I kind of just get going on the topics I want to talk about. Try not to spend too much time on one. Try to keep it moving. Keep your mind working. Make you think. Hopefully you agree and disagree. And if you were sitting here talking to me, we'd have an even better conversation. But don't you worry. In the next week or two, I plan on talking to a number of people, not only about the NFL and the playoffs, but also, NBA is heating up. Trade rumors are heating up. We're going to have the NBA Outsiders back on the SBNY podcast very soon. And, and I'm ecstatic. 2019, may it be a big year for all of us, and may it be a big year for the Sports Blog New York podcast. Don't be bashful. Leave that rating and review on iTunes. It takes about 30 seconds. Click five stars. Tell me what you think. Give me a take. Who you think is going to win the Super Bowl? Who's making that run? Who's making that big upset? Who's going to Crap to bed, because that's a conversation in and of itself. So all of you, thank you. This has been an episode of the Sports Blog New York Podcast with your man, Pete Kennedy.